Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. As you say, Van Williams kind of stepped away from acting. He did some other stuff, I recall. He did, but you know, the, the apex of his career was certainly uh, the Green Hornet. The person in uh, the cast of the Green Hornet who did really go on to, to do a lot of films and episodic television is Bruce Lee. He was the, sort of the... Um, He's brilliant to watch you know, on, the, on the Green Hornet and in his subsequent films. I mean, he's very athletic. It's almost like ballet, really, you know, you know watching his performances and how much control he had you know, over his body. And sadly, he passed away very young uh, in 1973. But uh, he was really on his way. He uh, had he'd just done Enter the Dragon. Uh, which was enormously popular when I was a child, um, very popular uh, among kids. And it wasn't you know, just because he had passed away either. I mean, it, it's a great movie. Well, with, of course, The Green Hornet on TV, unlike Batman, it wasn't portrayed tongue-in-cheek. It was a straight-ahead adventure show. But it only lasted one season, and the only time they ever tried to bring back that character, correct me if I'm wrong, you know more about this than I do, where Seth Rogen took over a Green Hornet film some years back, and if you think awful is bad, this would be awful compared to awful. Not, I, 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 will, I will be honest with you. I did not see the Seth Rogen Green Hornet, and there's a reason for that. I typically am not a big fan of you know, bringing back you know, a movie franchise. I, I, I kind of like to... The original for me is almost always going to be the best. I, I had nothing against Seth Rogen, uh, but uh, I was never going to watch that movie, quite honestly. What I'm wondering here is whether there is an audience to bring back a character like The Shadow. Oh, I, I certainly do think so. Um, there again, though, The Shadow is pretty firmly entrenched in noir, and I think that you know, if, if and when war comes back around, you did in the '90s. Uh, it came back for a while, and I think that you know, once we um, you know, figure out what the next genre is going to be, you know, right now uh, the superhero uh, films are sort of the order of the day. Although, from what I understand, uh, audience uh, reaction is uh, slipping you know, on a lot of them. If noir ever comes back around, and I think it will, I think that's when you will see uh, the Shadow, the Phantom, uh, Dick Tracy. I think that's when you'll see those characters make a big resurgence. Well, part of it is things go into trends. And the thing about superheroes is, what do you do next? Because all this is, is that each film gets wackier and wackier. More and more crazy special effects. Like, for example in the movie The Flash with Ezra Miller. They borrowed something from the TV show where he goes back in time to save his mother's life from a murderer. 
But Grant Gustin, I think, did a great... Ezra Miller didn't have that effectiveness. But more important, it became so crazy and dizzying, you couldn't enjoy it. I think right now the only superhero show that makes sense is Superman and Lois, where they kind of go back to the basics and portray Superman as a real person, Lois Lane is a real person, but he's been doing it for 20 years and he has a couple of teenage kids, one of whom has superpowers. But I think they focus heavily on character, even though special effects are better than most TV shows. And I think, if anything, that's going to save superhero characters is make them human again. Well, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, if you watch the old... Um the old films, you, you, you don't see a lot in terms of special effects because the, the studios just didn't have the money, and they did rely on the byplay of the characters uh, in, in scenes and such, and they were more you know, personable uh, characters. And it wasn't just stuff you know, exploding on screen or anything like that. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think we do need to get back to some more character studies uh, in these films. We... we you have to humanize these people somewhat or else you're not going to identify them and you're not going to feel any emotional attachment with them. Well, with Superman and Lois, both Superman and Lois Lane are middle-class people working regular jobs, she being a reporter, him getting fired from the Daily Planet. But the point is they work middle-class jobs. They're middle-class people. They blend with everybody else in their private lives and even though he does super things, he was basically brought up to be a regular guy. And that's the thing that works best with that character. You have this overwhelming godlike being, but in day-to-day living, he's like everybody else. And that and humanizing, I think, makes it effective. Also, of course, the performance was very effective. But recall, you know, the elderly couple that uh, you know raises Superman. You know, th- these are this is these are this is a Midwest farm couple. <laughs> uh, that, that's where he got his values, right? And of course, they kill off the father in his teenage years. They keep Martha Kent around in the movies, but in Superman Lois, it's twenty years later and she dies of a stroke or something. The point, though, is he goes back to his farm where he grew up. And there, everybody knows him. That's Clark Kent. He's one of the guys. And there again, I think that goes back to uh, making uh, these characters, you know, uh, a little more human, you know, uh, and to humanize them. And to, so that the audience can see that, well, hey, look, you know, that, you know, I'm not Superman, but you know, I can identify with this character because you know he is from a small town. He is from a farming community. He he has these Midwestern values uh, that you know so many other people do. You, you have to be able to identify with the protagonist because if you can't, people they might go watch your movie to see the explosions and such, but after a while, they're not going to identify with the characters. Well, the key here again is that. It's what the individual is. Like, for example, with Spider-Man, he's a nerdy teenager. And when he plays off that, trying to grow as a person, like they did with the original Spider-Man films. But after that, they went crazy. They had two further Spider-Man actors after the first one. Tobey Maguire, I thought, was great. 
Then what was it? There were two later actors who played it. Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. I think Tobey Maguire set the stage and they were so quick to redo the Spider-Man story over and over again every few years. That's kind of nonsense. That one comes back around a lot. (laughs) I will agree with you. I did think that, for whatever reason, I did think that Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man, that's the version that I prefer, quite honestly. And I think you're right, he does look the part of it. But I I also think he's he's a good actor, although I I don't think he does much acting anymore. But, But he's able to, you can identify with him. You, especially if you're you uh, kind of an awkward uh, teen, it's easy to identify with Tobey Maguire. There's nothing; he's not like Henry Cavill as Superman, who is this archetype. You know, he's some he's sort of an everyman, uh, an every well, an every kid, I guess. In this one, uh, he's easy to identify with, and it does humanize him. And I think you do need that um, in in superhero roles. I think Henry Cavill makes a good Superman, but as Clark Kent, he's too stiff. I think also Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent was over the top because they, I think they thought when they made this film in the 1970s, it's a comic book film, so we have to play Luthor and Clark Kent as over the top. Otherwise, people won't take it seriously. Now, of course, they've cut back on that. And that that's a tricky uh, a line. That's a really tricky line to walk to. Um, when you do uh, go larger than life with a character, it, it, if it dips into low camp, you're probably going to torpedo the film. Ryan Walker, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. 
The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, shopsupertea.com. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at PestWorld.org. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We want pizza! You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, of course, we're talking here about an over-the-top character like Superman and someone playing it, I don't know, too nerdy, too comic booky, like is Clark Kent. As a goofball. Here's a goofball who's hired for a major city newspaper. Why would you hire him? You know, it's one thing. He could be nerdy. He could stumble a little bit. He could have difficulty relaying to people at the beginning. But that, I thought, was something that turned me off about Superman the movie. See, and it, it doesn't really bother me so much because, you know, he is... You know, for the benefit of the other characters in the film, he is supposed to be playing two roles, and he doesn't want, as Superman, he doesn't want his cover being blown. So, because he looks the same, no matter whether he's Clark Kent or Superman, to you embody different mannerisms in a different character, I think does help keep it, does help keep the character separate somewhat. However, and not to take anything away from Christopher Reeve, he, he was a fine actor. Um, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, I think, since he is a really seasoned actor, I think he does a better job at being larger than life 
perhaps. Then there's more. I think there's a little more to the character as well of Lex Luthor. That that sort of does. You know, you're. Um, you're trying to achieve world domination. You should be pretty camped up, I think, anyway. But that's a really tricky line to walk. I mean, how how over the top can you go without turning this into a low-camp mess that nobody wants to see? Yeah, but some of the lines like, Lex Luthor, world's greatest criminal mind. I thought that was over the top. I also thought that when Brandon Ralph played Clark Kent... In Superman Returns, he gave it more balance. Of course, he wasn't as good an actor as Christopher Reeve, but he also gave the Clark Kent character more balance. There, I think the extremes were too extreme. I don't know. It works for me. Now, that that might have something to do with the era during which Superman came out. It came out in 1978. Uh, I would have been an impressionable 13-year-old at the time. Loved the film. I probably saw it in the theaters four or five times that summer, (laughs) to to be quite honest. And I even had uh, a couple of Digest uh, Super 8mm versions uh, of the film uh, that were released just probably about a year afterward, probably 78, 79, 80, something like that. I was a big fan uh, of the movie. See, for me, I I think it's perfect. I I really can't uh, knock it at all. Well, the perspective, I was much older. And and jaded. (laughs) Don't get me started. When we waited online for Star Wars, by the way, it was Uh, around the block. Oh, yeah. We waited for an hour or two to get in. My wife caught chicken pox. Oh my goodness! I can remember. Stay, I can remember standing in line to see it, but I'm thinking we only stood in line for maybe 90 minutes or so. It wasn't too horrible. They wouldn't sell advanced tickets at the theater uh, that we went to. I don't know why, uh, but they wouldn't, and we just we just had to wait. And my dad was such a is such a big science fiction fan that uh, he wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) We were going to wait in line no matter what to see the film. Let's talk about Indiana Jones. Again, owes a lot to the movie serials of the 30s and 40s, like Jungle Jim and things like that. And you know, Indiana Jones, gosh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that was such a blockbuster. Again, a movie that came out when I was a teenager. I think it was about 15 or 16 when it came out. And it does pay uh, homage to uh, the serials. And I think of all the 70s and 80s films that do heavily borrow, uh, including Star Wars, that do heavily borrow from serials, I think Raiders maybe has, since it's, it's in the same time period as well, Maybe that helps it. But it, for me, seems to work best, almost as a serial as you're watching it. Unfortunately, some of the sequels have not been up to the quality of the original. And I have not seen the most recent installment of uh, Indiana Jones. I just haven't gotten around to it. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, what a fantastic film. Uh, There again, that's one of those that for me is just almost perfect. Fantastic cast. Um... You, and having you know, Harrison Ford in, in both Star Wars and Raiders, I, I think, is really remarkable. Well, of course, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade work because of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Oh, oh no, it didn't work because of Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Bond, James Bond. Oh, and, you know, Jones. Uh, oh, God, it was awful. 
I remember seeing that in the theater, and that came out, I think, what, in 89 or something like that? Yes. And I was really excited to see it, because I, I, you know, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark so much, and Last Crusade it was painful for me to watch. A lot of it was because of Sean Connery, and, and I, I like Sean Connery as an actor, uh, and I'm a huge Bond fan, but that was just not his time. He really should never have done that. It's terrible. It's, it's a terrible performance. You see, we're on opposite sides there. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I'd say I think he's awful in it. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the rest of the cast is not bad. But it, it, his performance in that almost makes it seem like he's just there for the check for me. Okay. <laughs> sorry, hey. sorry to be so brutally honest. but uh, No, it's, it's no particular problem. I thought that it was a good movie, but, again... Sean Connery had his own issues as an actor, even though he was very good and won an Oscar for, what was the film? The film, The Untouchables. He won a, he plays this Irish police officer in The Untouchables who gets killed somewhere in the middle or latter middle of the film, but he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Not to take anything away from Sean Connery. I mean, he, he was a very good actor, um, had great screen presence, I love most of his films, quite honestly, but I had significant problems with his performance in that film. I just, it just didn't do a thing for me. Well, you know, there you go. What can I, what can I say? What can I say? But again, I thought it was a really good film and I thought that it was fun because the second film was very grim. I didn't like the second film at all. I like the second film, but there, there are there again, there are a couple of one note performances in it that I find grating, and uh, I, ugh, there's there's scenes that I, I have trouble watching in Indiana Jones in, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I, I think you're right; it does have more grim overtones than uh, the other entries that I have seen in the Indiana Jones. Uh, series of films. Now, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, one of the co-writers was Jeffrey Bohm, who also wrote The Phantom, which had Indiana Jones elements to it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I can see that. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, I think I think in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, the, the effects look good. They, they look better in Temple of Doom than they do in the original Raiders. The the child in the movie, I, I found kind of grating after a while. We're going to get um, more grating if we don't break now. <laughs> Gene, Tim, and Brian, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines. Instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families, we all know something big is coming. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company. And they make it easy for you to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. USA News Update. It's Super Bowl Sunday and sports fans will be focused on the game in Las Vegas between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Many non-sports fans tuning in just to see this year's commercials and of course Taylor Swift. More than 100 million Americans will tune into the Super Bowl on Sunday. Some will be captivated by the game itself while others eagerly await the commercials or Usher's halftime performance. I'm John Schaefer. Turning now to politics, former President Trump campaigning in South Carolina ahead of the primary there on Saturday, February 24th. He addresses the special counsel recommending that President Biden not be charged with mishandling classified documents and the fact Robert Hur referred to Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. Crooked Joe got off scot-free. Now, I don't know if you call it scot-free. They said he was a mental basket case. Okay, so I wouldn't say it's totally scot-free. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, we return to Grading Children and Indiana Jones. Brian Walker, proceed. 
the rumor is not true. I am not anti-child. Uh, <laughs> however, the the actor who portrays Short Round in it's not I don't it's not his fault either. I really think it's I don't think that Spielberg did a great job directing this kid because he's he's annoying in it and he's supposed to be endearing and you're supposed to care what happens to him and I just don't <laughs> in the in the movie. That said, I think Harrison Ford turns in a great performance. I don't think that the performance of the actor who portrayed Short Round, not to take anything away from him, I don't think it's his fault. And I think the character was designed to be annoying. They just went perhaps a little too far with it. It's unfortunate sometimes where literary characters aren't played well in movies. Let's go to Tarzan, for example. And, of course, we all think... Of course, of Johnny Weissmuller saying, me Tarzan, you Jane. But if you look at the books written by Edgar Rice Burroughs, he was a self-educated English lord. That's correct. Um, however, you, you didn't see that in, uh, the, in a lot of the portrayals of Tarzan. Oftentimes, it was more of a guttural just a physical character, uh, not too intellectual, but um, not so well, stupid's not the word. Not so uneducated that he doesn't know the difference between right and wrong because he does. Because that's something that seems to be innate that in the, in the Tarzan character, I guess I should say. Now you do see a progression if you watch Johnny Weissmuller's films. You do see a progression of the character. His um, his English becomes better, you know, over the uh, series of films starting from the early '30s and then winding up in the late '40s. You get less of the physicality of it in his early, in his later films because he's I hate to say it, but aging, you know, in it, uh, and unfortunately, visibly so. I do think that in some of the later films, uh, especially the Gordon Scott, uh, the last two Gordon Scott entries uh, of Tarzan films, I think are brilliantly done. Uh, Gordon Scott plays the role as more of an intelligent being um, and, and not just relying on his, you know, what he knows about the jungle. He's also relying on his wits in order to uh, defeat the enemy. Uh, Tarzan the Magnificent is one of my favorite movies, and, and that's one of the Gordon Scott uh, Tarzan films. It, it, it's, it's just so well done, uh, I think. And in watching, Gordon Scott's probably my favorite Tarzan actor, to tell you the truth. Uh, I think he, I mean, he looks great as Tarzan. Uh, and he, you, he, the look, he kind of embodies the character just in the look alone. But his performance... Uh, I think it's fantastic. And interestingly, his uh, adversary, his main adversary in Tarzan the Magnificent is Jock Mahoney, who was the next actor to portray Tarzan after Gordon Scott left the role. And he was kind of old for that, wasn't he? He was the oldest uh, person to be cast as Tarzan. Uh, Jock Mahoney had started his career as a stuntman and uh, really got a boost in Columbia's Three Stooges uh, shorts from the uh, late 40s and early 50s. Uh, you see him a lot in uh, some of the later uh, shorts with Curly in them. Uh, he does. He's got a number of lines in them, uh, and he's since he was since he started out as a stuntman. I mean, he's a he could do the physicality of it, but yeah, he was uh, up there. Uh, I think he was about forty four years old when his first Tarzan film came out. 
Uh, this is Jock Mahoney uh, again. And he got sick, he, very, very ill, uh, while they were filming um, Tarzan Goes to India in 1962. And you can see him deteriorate on the screen. Uh, he looks great in some scenes, and in some scenes he's about 20 pounds underweight because he was so ill uh, during the uh, shooting of Tarzan Goes to India. I think very few Tarzan films actually embody any of the books. And I read some of the books, many of them, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. I was more into characters like John Carter of Mars. But John Carter, they've never done justice to. I like the Disney film John Carter, but they had no clue how to market that film. Disney's had a lot of recent missteps. Um, you know, in, in the last, I don't know, a dozen years or so, it, it used to be that when Disney produced something, I mean, they always put money behind it. You know, they always turn out a product that looks good. But I think sometimes they're trying to pander to a particular audience, and that takes precedence over, uh, you know, a good story. Well, looking at John Carter, for example, I read all the books, starting with The Princess of Mars. They actually adapted it fairly well for the movie, even though it didn't do so well. And I think they had the right characters there, and I think the actors are really good. But once again, they didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, that's not that's not really their bailiwick either. Um, you know, that kind of movie is not their wheelhouse. Uh, I, I do think that you know, Disney tries to be all things to everyone, and I'm not sure that that's really the case. Uh, it, I guess John Carter was pretty, and I'm relying on a probably 10, 12-year-old viewing of the film. It, it's not really what they do best, you know, quite honestly. Disney lost $200 million on the film. Wow. One of the biggest losses amongst all the films because they put a lot of money into it. And again, we have to realize we're dealing with a character that first debuted in 1912 and this is 2012 when the movie came out 100 years later so how do you adapt the character of this civil war soldier who goes into this cave and in a sense he astral projects to mars and they create some kind of device to accommodate that but i always wonder with john carter how does his body stay alive back on Earth if he's on Mars doing all this crazy stuff. <laughs> and i got to tell you, uh, as we're talking right now, I'm, I'm watching the uh, trailer for John Carter. Some of the special effects are not great looking. It, 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 it doesn't look that great on screen, so, some of it. Um, I, I'm at a loss to tell you why it failed uh, at the box office. I didn't realize that it lost that kind of money. These days, a loss like that for a big studio is kind of rare because they can milk it, you know, in other markets and, and try to make back uh, at least production costs and marketing costs, which are sometimes more formidable than production costs. There you go. John Carter, another film that was a good idea but didn't quite catch on. <laughs> Maybe it'll Mildly. come back. Say it again. Perhaps uh, the character will come back around. I don't know. Well, they also tried to 
release movies of the Pellucidor novels, which we go into the center of the earth and everything. And I always thought those were fun. It's where you go into the center of the earth, and there have been movies like this influenced by it, where they see these prehistoric creatures running around loose. Yeah, and you just from that description alone, you're, you're sort of you're almost guaranteeing yourself a young audience. You know, and, and when I say young, I mean adolescent. You know, really. And I, um, as somebody who spent most of his career uh, in the college classroom, um, you know, students do have, well, at least the ones that I worked with, uh, today's generation, Gen, Gen Z, they do have, uh, they tell us that they have shorter att- attention spans. And I think sometimes you don't get a lot of character development in current films because of that, because we need to move on to the next um you explosion or or the next scene because you know, we're being told that you know this current generation uh, you know uh, can only pay attention to something for eight seconds we have more than eight seconds of interruption here how about that brian gene tim one more segment you're in the podcast <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers. There's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Brian Walker. And by the way, he's got this great little site I've been having so much fun with. Okay. Brian's Drive-In Theater, which has, like I say, what a 1990s look to it. I don't know <laughs> if that's deliberate or not, but it's a lot of fun. But he keeps it up to date, by the way. It has bios of the, many of the stars of these films, covers all the categories, Hercules, cheesecake movies, horror and sci-fi, which we barely got into, westerns, crime thrillers, all this other stuff, Tarzan's serial stars. Yeah, a lot of stuff there. So I definitely recommend it. So check it out. Let us continue here. Of course, we went from John Carter to other film concepts. One I like a lot, and I like the TV show based on it, Stargate. Did you ever see that or the TV series? I have not. Okay, that's Rowan Emmerich and Dean Devlin, who did Independence Day. And this came out earlier. James Spader and Kurt Russell are the stars in the movie where they discover in the 1920s in Egypt somewhere, this Stargate. And by the time we get into the next part of the film, they realize the Stargate is evidently a device that can open a wormhole and take you to another planet somewhere in this or another galaxy, which also has a Stargate. And the film, I think, did fairly well in the theaters, And they crafted a TV version called Stargate SG-1, but they had, for every reason, MGM owned the property, they had a totally different production team. And they got together with Richard Dean Anderson, who played MacGyver on TV, and he became the character Colonel O'Neill that Kurt Russell played in the movies. 
and they hired this actor, Michael Shanks, because he looked like James Spader. The series lasted 10 years on TV and spawned two sequels. Rights issues can really mess things up for, for a viewer, uh, quite honestly. We had touched upon that uh, a bit earlier. Rights issues can uh, really get in the way of production, depending on who currently has the option for a particular property. When it comes to you know, some of the older films, and you had mentioned that you couldn't see uh, you know, Kirk Allen's Superman or Adaman versus Superman because of rights issues. And unfortunately, that happens with properties as well. Tim. Yo, Tim. You there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Why, pick, up a little, pick up a little bit. I've been hogging too much. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's, you're talking about uh, rights issues. I think one of the major problems is uh, music that's played uh, yes. in these shows, especially uh, uh, popular music. Um, you know, I know that there are, have been a number of uh, television shows that – didn't see the light of days in uh, uh, syndication for years because they couldn't work out uh, the, the the issues with the music. WKRP in Cincinnati is uh, one that I can think of. And then when they did finally release it, though people like me who watched it in its original run immediately can tell when they've changed the music and it's just not it doesn't sound right anymore. <laughs> I think you're absolutely correct uh, about that. However, it is the uh, music rights that oftentimes will be the holdup in getting something out onto streaming platforms or in in reruns. That was a huge issue with WKRP in Cincinnati because if you were like like Tim and me, if if you were people who saw it in its original run, you got to hear some great music. You know, some great '70s rock like the Who, uh, for example, Aerosmith, and other bands that they just don't have the rights to and can't air it. And that was an issue, I think, for some of the earlier episodes of Happy Days as well, because they did use a lot of 1950s, you know, early rock and roll uh, songs in in like the first season or so of Happy Days, and you don't see that in reruns uh, very often. You don't see those episodes, I should say in rerun very often because of the music issue. Fortunately uh, for superheroes in serials, uh, a number of serials uh, are public domain now. We don't have to worry about rights issues for the adventures of Captain Marvel because I believe that that's the Tom Tyler Republic serial from 1941. And since it was Republic, it fell through the cracks somewhere. It's now public domain. Columbia uh, and some of the Better run studios like MGM, Warner Brothers were kind of loath to let something fall into the public domain, although occasionally they did have films that did, you know, prior to the 1990s, of course. Sometimes, however, falling into public domain has sort of rescued films in terms of you know, being known by you know, even modern audiences. That a film could be 60, 70, 80 years old, but if it's public domain, it's probably going to be seen by most people at some point because it's either going to air on you know, a second-tier television channel or it's going to be one of the freebies in Amazon Prime or it'll be used as filler in some of the other platforms depending on the mix of films that they have. And you know, a lot of those movies do get watched. Um, one of my favorite horror films, for example, uh, House on Haunted Hill, 
which starring Vincent Price and directed by William Castle, fell into the public domain pretty early uh, into its life. And I dare say, is there anybody out there who hasn't seen House on Haunted Hill at this point? And I think it's because it is public domain. It's, it's one thing that has kept some of these films alive, and some of the characters, too, in them alive over the years, is that it's accessible to everyone. Do you ever see that in the theater where they had the, the special effects where they bring out the ghosts coming out on you on the stage? I, I'm a little too young uh, for that. I'm... I'm in my late 50s, but I've read a a lot about William Castle's films and the Ballyhoo that he used in order to get butts in in theater seats in the 1950s and 1960s. There again, he catered to a predominantly youth market, uh, adolescents, teenagers, young adults, people who were more willing to show up for something lurid, you know, that, that might possibly employ a gimmick. Uh, for the audience. Now, for me, even now, that would be reason enough for me to show up at the theater. I haven't been in a movie theater uh, since COVID hit. Uh, the last thing I saw was The Invisible Man. Uh, and that was, I think, three weeks before uh, most of us were sent home for COVID. Uh, what was that, 2020? I guess about four years ago. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's the last time I was in a theater. You know, since then, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to watch uh, you know, either recent releases or brand new ones from the comfort of my home. I, I do have uh, my own uh, theater in my home. I've spent considerable uh, amount of uh, time and money building it, and quite frankly, I'm just more comfortable here you know, watching a movie. Do you have real film projectors, too? I do have film projectors. However, uh, these days, it's so hard to get parts for them. And trying to get a bulb for, for one of the projectors I have is like pulling teeth. And you have to buy new old stock, which is not inexpensive to do. So I've kind of let uh, the projectors slide. And now I'm just total, totally digital. Uh, no, no analog at all here, uh, sadly. I do miss uh your film projection. Now, there's something about the, you know, the hum of the projector, and being able to make the you know, the screen any size you want it to be. Tell our listeners if they want to know more of what you do. Where can we send them? Please visit me at Brian'sDriveInTheater.com. That's Brian with an I. Brian's Drive-In Theater has been online since 1998, and as a matter of fact, uh, I just celebrated my 26th anniversary at the drive-in. It originally premiered on February 1st, 1998. If you want to interact with me on social media, you can find me uh, at Brian's Drive-In Theater on Facebook. That's the only social media platform that I'm currently active on. All right. You find us on Twitter, Threads, and Facebook, okay, I'll call Twitter X as the Paracast. You can go to the Paracast.shop or the Paracast.store for branded merchandise. We offer the After the Paracast podcast where Brian will be back. If you subscribe to the Paracast Plus, go to the Paracast.plus for more information. Lowest prices ever, better quality audio, and the Paracast is ad free for Paracast Plus subscribers. Go to the Paracast.plus. Brian Walker, I think we have enough material for another 50 hours here. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you very much, Gene.
featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or injured at work, you have rights, and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good, they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810-800-524-3810-800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810.